Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It was the night before Christmas of frightful delight when killers and creatures did evil by night. A leprechaun seething sought gold stolen away while Jack Frost was freezing folk in cold, cruel ways. St. Nicholas slaughtered on each full moon's sight. An evil Santa was unleashed from his plight, and Cindy 
battle beasts filled with holiday hate as they slashed through the snow, dealing dire fate. So lock all your doors and windows with care, for murderous holiday beasts could be there. Stay wary, my friend. Keep your loved ones near. Merry Christmas to all. Hope to see you next year. Welcome to Sitting in the Dark, everybody. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm here with the uh, handsome Ray Delancey. And <laughs> just chock full of wintry goodness, it's Tommy Metz the Third. Ring a ding ding. Wait, that's not a holiday <laughs> thing. That's a Frank Sinatra thing. Jingle jingle. That's You're it. Quite jingle, a crooner. Jingle. Quite a crooner. Look, mm-hmm. hi guys. I so this month is my turn. It's my turn. Mm. I'll say it. And You're the one. You're the I one. started thinking about like what can we do for December? What can we do to talk about scary movies and the holidays? And the thing that struck me when we have been talking about like metaphor for horror movies over the last you know many months is what is it that that we're doing when we take these scary motifs and merge them with the holidays so i wanted to watch movies that were about holiday horrors and not just guys dressed up as santa claus with knives right fair enough and and we already teased this because we started talking about krampus and that movie is you know it's about an actual evil that happens at the holidays and it's it's good we had a good time with it it was it was a bonus i think one of the picks the thing that that struck me here is what happens when the symbols of our holidays themselves turn against us right what if we Mm. find ourselves running not from Frankenstein or Dracula or some other manifestation of desire and technology run amok. But what if we're running from murderous St. Nick himself? What happens when the things we celebrate in song and prayer are recontextualized as explicit symbols of fear? That was the question. And I have a list all movies that I had not seen with the exception of the first one, which I saw as I was a kid because Jennifer Aniston was in it. Uh, and so I just want to do a quick, a quick rundown of the movies, and then we'll talk about, uh, I, I want to hear your, your thoughts. So the movies are Leprechaun, 1993 American film. No, not a Christmas movie, but, you know, it, it's, it fits the bill because of the character. The rest are the, are the holiday movies. Jack Frost, not the Michael Keaton one, which what? arguably <laughs> is as scary Jack Frost, this is the 1997 direct-to-video black comedy. Saint, uh, 2010 Dutch film. Rare Exports, The Finns Bounce Back. It's a 2010 Finnish film. And then I threw in a bonus at the very last minute. The Mean One, 2022 American black comedy. It is the unauthorized parody of Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. There we have it. That's our setup. I, I open the floor to uh, opening statements. Tommy, the senator from California. Mm, I will, I'm reclaiming my time <laughs> already. <laughs> um, I would, this is not an opening statement necessarily, but I think something that uh, came to mind probably in the middle of Leprechaun, because I was desperately trying to think about anything else, was <laughs> that we've kind of, in the way that we've taken Christmas and made it scary, is kind of the opposite of what we did with Halloween. Ironically, Halloween is was a terrifying thing, kind of like how we're unearthing Krampus, unearthing St. Nicholas and Black Pete's, all of that, that we took something that was made to 
you know, we were, why do we give out candy? We mm-hmm. give out candy because we used to put candy out on our front because otherwise demons would come and steal our children. So mm-hmm. we took something that was scary and made it happier. Now we're giving out uh, candy to children. It's just sort of interesting how we need to take whatever the original uh, or current version of the holiday is and invert it in order to sort of be right in the middle of it's kind of scary, but not really. Because the other thing that really jumped out at me is all of these movies are also comedies to yes. varying effect, but yeah. none of them play it straight. So, well, actually some, the last one, not the last one, but um, Rare Exports plays it very dead serious, but deadpan comedy. And yes. so that's interesting too, that we need some sugar with our medicine if we're going to take down uh, these holidays, which was kind of interesting. Okay, I'm, I want to put a footnote on that point because I I, I have thoughts as well on it. Uh, interesting, uh, Ray. What do you what do you think about the whole conceit? The thing that I kept thinking about the most is you know when I was four years old, somebody showed me Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, and it scared the hell out of me. And I just mm. kept wondering what would happen if I was a kid and someone showed me one of these movies. Yes. Would I still be? Huh as into Christmas or whatever the holiday may be that the movie is about. Uh, Even though these movies for the most part are just ridiculous cheesiness. uh, It's uh, it's just a really interesting take. And I like what Tommy said about our need to invert things. Yeah. And and I mean, when you look at movies like Leprechaun and, and um, the mean one, and uh, you know, these are movies that, well, and Leprechaun, I take that back. It's, it doesn't really do what I'm thinking. <laughs> it doesn't do much. Uh, but but when you look <laughs> at movies like The Mean One, like they're literally doing that, right? They're taking a thing and they're showing exactly what you're describing, right? Ray, like this is a mm-hmm. this is a town that has given up Christmas essentially because they were shown a scary movie too early. In this case, the scary movie was The Grinch was in the living room, and it it's sort of an alternate um, future from the point that Cindy gives the the necklace and and the kiss but it it turns it into a town that has given up on christmas because ostensibly christmas was too scary right and and i think that's actually really interesting like turning christmas into the nightmarescape and they do the same thing in saint which i think is such a fascinating thing when you take this holiday that normally is a holiday of goodness and kindness and generosity and and you know goodwill toward fellow humans and you make it a thing that is ostensibly Halloween, right? You make it a thing where everybody has to go in at night and be scared. And uh, I thought that was fascinating. So let's, uh, uh, let's take a beat and let's talk about some nerd stuff and try to ask the question, why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we do this to ourselves? I think the answer is because we can't help it. Tom? Well, I think it also kind of like my pseudo smart thing about Halloween and ha- inversion and stuff is... Also, when you l- look back far enough, everything a lot of times is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like they didn't make up this uh, Krampus. They didn't make up St. Nicholas. That, the, the, you know, Santa used to put children in sacks. That was the thing. <laughs> right. And then we commercialized it. And so it's kind of like how all of like Disney properties, if you go back far enough, the traditional ones, if you go back to Brothers Grimm, it was some really dark stuff. It was yeah. there were no happy endings. No one ever got the princess. They just ended up being burned alive or being eaten by a wolf. And so we it's it's interesting. I talked about inversion, but it's also the smoothing out of these things. 
Yeah. So it's it's there is something weird. It's kind of like picking at a scab almost that it's not taking something beautiful and then, rever- you know, inverting it. It's like, well, yeah, what did we do originally? Where did this all come from? And a lot of it was because we were terrified of the dark and we didn't understand anything. Yeah. And so we put candy out and we, you know, let uh, certain songs. Because we thought candy would be the solution. Like, right, exactly. like remember the Halcyon days when candy fixed stuff? Yeah, right. We believed that there was, like for Halloween, that there was a day where the uh, line or the shimmy between, the shimmer between life and death was mm-hmm. actually so thin that we had to do something about it. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, I think it it goes back to, it's just these filmmakers realizing Every so much of what we did comes from ritual, and so much of ritual comes from fear. I've been noodling on that concept of inversion, subversion, right? The the mm-hmm. act of turning happy symbols dark, because it feels like one of the things they're doing, like to my cerebral cortex, is like interrupting the nostalgia vi- nerve, right? They're they're mm-hmm. saying, look, the thing that you are nostalgic about is actually something that you don't understand completely right we're pushing you to think about the thing that you hold dear and when you see it presented in this light to actually question your sort of uh fidelity to it or fandom of it right just saying Mm. like look at look at what santa could do right (laughs) or or look at what happens when we when we say there are lots of santas and they're nudists too that we'll talk about that um So I I think that's part of it. The other part is catharsis, right? Because watching evil characters allows us to experience taboo desires and urges and relationships vicariously in a safe, fictional setting, right? We can set ourselves higher above it. And it can be thrilling watching cherished characters break rules, right? Break mores and taboos. It's thrilling to watch that happen, even if we don't understand quite how to talk about it or what it is that's making us, like, that is titillating about, you know, watching the Grinch go berserk on this town is titillating at some level because I'm so close to the story from when I was a kid. The other piece is that, you know, watching the contrast of these pieces, I kept coming back to Gremlins, which is also holiday Mm. movie and is sort of the character definition of this, where you take a thing that's literally sweet and cuddly and beautiful and through human intervention, make it (laughs) evil. Right. Right. Like this part of what is interesting about these movies to me is that they are expressions of what we have done to make things go south in the world. Like we have, we have made things bad. Um, you know, we are the ones who didn't thoroughly understand and stole from the leprechaun. And we are the ones whose ignorance unleashed that particular evil. Um, so I'm, all of those things out there, does that, does that give you a different sort of perspective on any of these movies or, or is it in alignment with your expectation, Ray? As I'm watching these movies, my thought was it almost seems like they're having a competition to see who can come out with the most schlock Hallmark or these things, these horror yeah. movies, you know, there are so many of these types of movies, like you said up front, you know, there, there are these types of movies where you take the, the mythos of the holiday. And then there are also, you know, the slashy, slashy, stabby, stabby holiday movies. There, there's so many of them. And it almost seems to me like maybe there's somebody out there who wants to be making fun of those traditions and those things that 
we draw our holidays from, you know, St. Nicholas and things like that. It seems to me like there are people out there who are sick of all the cheery, uber saccharine feeling that Christmas usually brings. Uh, It seems to me like a lot of people make these movies to kind of be the opposite, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like a strike back against the over-commercialization, for instance. It's saying this, we've made this into a, whatever that Paul McCartney simply having a wonderful Christmas time, which I think is the leprechaun of Christmas songs. (laughs) I think it's the worst (laughs) song that I have to hear in my Kroger every year. Um, But yeah, it's pushing back against that. It's like we've, we've made this into almost a grotesque of cheer, but it's so homogenized and so forced and so and starts earlier every yeah. year um, that and it's really this commercialization is at the bottom of all of it to go back to the roots and say, no, this started because of something else. Yeah, it is fun. I mean, I think it's a it's a punch back at some of those things like Ray well, is saying. Totally. And it's it's also represents the difference between why these movies that are dealing with in it, particularly in the case of saint and rare exports dealing with national culture uh, right. and and national history uh, and reinterpretation of those things is part of the and and the difference between that and and like a movie that uses a guy with a knife and a santa suit because a guy with a knife and a santa suit the santa suit's camouflage like that's the part that makes the mm. the thing subversive is that we're using a, a symbol and but it's still an evil guy and he could just be wearing a hoodie or a cloak or a whatever given the context right. it's just another like token of camouflage these movies we're we're saying look the actual thing that you love to raise point earlier the actual thing that you love kids is coming to get you the actual thing it's not a sociopath in a suit it's a guy that is could be stark naked and still want to eat you or kidnap you or whatever right and i think that's it takes us back like tom to your point the the origin stories of of grim fairy tales are designed to tell kids don't do this thing right now if you go out into the woods the witch is going to put you into an oven and eat you right Right. Don't don't go do that thing. Teach a life lesson with lots of, of bad endings. So to your point earlier that I wanted to hang a, a flag on, why is it that these movies didn't necessarily end? Well, I guess did, did they end ba- as badly as Grimm did to your eye? Like when you watch these movies, were they generally like sad, horrible endings? No, no. they The bad guys lose. Right. They come back, as we know, especially in the case of Jack Frost and Leprechaun, which I do want to at some point talk about why those, yep. those both, <laughs> unlike the other ones, have like four or five sequels. Like they really cult hitted yeah. it out of the park and they are the worst yeah. of all of these. I, um, and so it's just interesting that those maybe it's just the cheapness of it, that it's yeah. just the easiest to bring back and forth. And um, also Jack Frost is the... I'm realizing now, based on your thesis and sort of what you're talking about, Jack Frost is kind of the outlier. Adjacent. Jack Frost is a guy in a suit. Yes. It turns out. He's a crazy person that just ends up becoming a snowball who can move around through osmosis with water. But becomes inextricably linked to the snowball, right? He is the creature. It's not like he can unmake the snowman, basically. Yeah. Right. He is Frosty's. But he was a bad guy before instead of like going back to. To, the ancient. Exactly. And and it is also uh, the most sort of 
tied to other metaphors we've covered on the show, right? Fear of technology. Look at what we have done. This is all about, you know, the, the thing that turns them into a snowball is that they crash into a, a truck full of genetic experiments and goo that are future experiment technology language <laughs> hand wavy. And yeah. that makes him the snowman. And that in and of itself might be a hat on a hat for this movie. Like, had we just picked the story up a little bit later when it was just evil Frosty with a little bit of book and the vampire, it might've even been a better movie, right? Like, sure. I, I didn't necessarily care for the, <laughs> the truck crash backstory. I didn't need it. Right. Uh, so uh, we, we have uh, officially, I think, started talking about the movies. I, I think mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, the bottom line on the nerd stuff uh, is, it, it, you know, this, like all of the movies we talk about, it's an, it's an exercise in escapism. Uh, and, and, you know, we know holidays can be stressful and chaotic and family and all these things. And you may watch these movies and think, gosh, wouldn't it be great if the in-laws were actually, um, you know, hanging out with Jack Frost or, <laughs> uh, like those are those the, it's okay because we're we're pushing it taboos watching movies to get this stuff out so yeah mix of complicated uh, uh psychological uh factors uh, in these movies so let's start tom unleash let's start with leprechaun oh my god <laughs> <laughs> this was rough and to start i'm really glad that this was the first one because as i think i already said they got for me they got exponentially better in quality in vision in tone writing everything yeah and i was like oh no if they're all like this this is gonna be really rough because this movie is it's rough acting it is so time stamped one of the interest, most interesting, actually the interesting thing about it for me was seeing Jennifer Aniston already Anistoning. Yes. Like she's already of herself. And the movie seems to be completely in love with her and rightfully so because they just let her drag scenes on. Like the this part of the script is she reluctantly goes in the house. And I think that's a 20 minute long sequence where she stops <laughs> and she like looks at her shoe and she looks up at the door and it's like, oh my God, we have missed St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> like it is done. And they just let they just sit on her, uh, which yeah. was really kind of fun. But she's fun. Everyone else is ridiculous. The fact that the whole thing is because she's trying to like show that she's not scared. To the local weirdo who was like not introduced and is just shows up in the middle of a scene carrying paint thinner. <laughs> this is like old school. We have two dollars. Let's make a movie. And but, how do you make things scary? Put cobwebs on everything. They filled at everything. some point off screen. They filled the refrigerator with food, but they don't take down one cobweb from the kitchen. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> it is the most cobwebby house ever. It's so weird. Okay, sorry. That's it. The uh the film was written and directed by Mark Jones. It's a it came out in 1993. Of course, this is another film though that that actually brings us Warwick Davies as Lube Don the Leprechaun. And I do like how this movie came about. It was Mark Jones who says he was inspired by the Lucky Charms commercials to create a leprechaun character and the quote only twist was to make the character an antagonist. So this movie <laughs> is like one creative generation away from a serial icon. And I, <laughs> I think that shows on screen. <laughs> I would have rather seen Boo Berry. That would be the movie that I want to see. <laughs> so the thing, uh, I was yeah. making a joke about how terrible there's nothing to watch. 
some of the things that I did find a little interesting and I didn't bother looking them up and maybe I should is it certainly fleshed out the idea of leprechauns more than I knew. I didn't know that they had a thing for shoes. I didn't know that there was a shoe connection. I didn't realize that four leaf clovers are like a cross to vampires to them, that they have some sort of like containment thing. Did you look up? Is that all true? Le- leprechaun I can't lore. imagine the movie. Yeah. Leprechaun lore. Double I, I can't imagine that the movie just made those up. I knew of the shoes. Really? The shoes. That's just yeah, a the thing. Shoes, the shoes were a thing uh, that, that I knew. I, I didn't knew know that. that they were like thirsty for shoes. Like Lobdon yeah. was like, that right. was, that became a central point in their ability to distract him was like, we just need Throw to show him all our shoes. And all shoes he could do out. is like polish shoes in the dark. Yeah. Like that just felt strange to me uh, that that's how they wanted to do it. But the, uh, I, I, the four leaf clover, I did not know. I always thought the four leaf clover was the lucky one. Didn't you guys? Right. Like, yeah. It is for so, us. But I guess maybe what's lucky for us is unlucky for them. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I, I do know that it was uh, like, as you say, it was fun to see, you know, Jennifer Aniston in this thing very young um, and Warwick Davies. Obviously, I I am a fan of Warwick Davies. I don't, I mean, his, this, this movie in his catalog of of films, um, it doesn't really stand out next to all of the stuff that he has done. <laughs> right. Star Wars. And yet this, this movie, and, uh, Star Wars and, and Willow, of course, um, right. this movie somehow ended up getting more made. I don't understand it. I Yeah. Uh, but I, and then I even like weirdly right. crossed over with Leprechaun back to the hood. Yeah. When we and didn't Leprechaun realize the racism. <laughs> Leprechaun foreign space. Yeah. It's it really I don't know why it. There are actually one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight with a ninth. Good Lord. A ninth untitled Leprechaun reboot uh, apparently in. Uh, in the works. So, oh my gosh, you know, yeah, Leprechaun Four in Space, Leprechaun in the Hood, Leprechaun Back to the Hood, Leprechaun Origins, and Leprechaun Returns. So, uh, Leprechaun Origins—that's what I want. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I want the Star Wars Episode One of Leprechaun. <laughs> of Leprechaun. Yeah. So uh, maybe we should watch that, and that will tell us all about Four Leaf Clovers and why they became so evil for leprechauns. This movie was the first one under the actual Trimark uh, in-house production uh, of Trimark Pictures for theatrical exhibition. So auspicious start, Trimark. They've also made other movies that we should talk about. (laughs) with uh, more enthusiasm. So let's move on to Jack Frost. Now you, you said you like Jack Frost more than yes. Leprechaun. I thought the, I thought the writing was stronger. The acting was weirder and stronger. Like everyone in Leprechaun doesn't seem to know what kind of movie they're in. Jack yes. Frost, they do. They're playing it weird on purpose. The cop, one of the cops is legitimately stupidly funny like they all know Jack Frost is incredibly unfunny, same as the character in Leprechaun, but everything around it seems to know it's a heightened reality. Yeah. It doesn't really kind of always make where uh always make sense. And I noticed that the director, the director of this movie, uh wrote one of my favorite horror movies. Which is ever Identity, starring John Cusack. Unless I looked up the wrong IMDB, I was like, who's behind this? And uh, he Michael, that's Michael wrote Kennedy. Identity, which is, yeah, which is outstanding. That's um, amazing. 
it's it's just yeah like as soon as like the sleigh cuts off the bully's head and it's followed by the saddest <laughs> slowest version of god rest you merry gentlemen i was like this movie has some vision behind it you know yeah. what i mean like it's yeah. going in uh well, gross but also kind of like fun well yeah. and look at and, i mean you you say the movie does, the movie knows what it is in a way that leprechaun didn't and i think you're absolutely right because leprechaun was intended to be a straight horror movie and it was actually warwick davies that brought the comedy and they had to do a whole bunch of reshoots and huh. uh, you know, add increased gore on the on the high end for a, a adult audiences, and increased comedy for everybody else. And so the movie ends up kind of a hodgepodge of uncertainty in a way that right. I agree with you. I think I think Jack Frost, that should have been the title for this episode: <laughs> hodgepodge of uncertainty. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. I I think Jack Frost does does have a, a bit of self awareness to it that that I think makes it elevates it a a bit a bit yeah. Uh, Ray, did you, uh, what'd you think? Did you want to well, immediately go out and build a snowman? No, I wanted to immediately shut the TV off. <laughs> <laughs> did not connect with Jack Frost. <laughs> no, I hated that movie, man. I, it, But the second one is way worse, so, you know. Oh, yeah, and that is also not a Michael Keaton vehicle. Coming off of Leprechaun, this one definitely seemed more adult, you know. Mm-hmm. I think Leprechaun, uh, at least this is the impression that I got, kind of felt like it was trying to kind of play toward kids a little bit in as much as yeah. it could being a horror film. And I, I think you're just, I mean, that's part, that's part of the hodgepodge. I think they would, I think that, that Warwick Davies brought his thing and his thing is uh, kids love me, man. And, <laughs> uh, and, and so you don't do that. I think what this, what, what you get with Jack Frost is a much more sort of, it, it's almost an eighties era nineties horror movie because sure. you end up with more of the, like the titillating stuff. You get Shannon Elizabeth's debut uh, right. in this and, movie. And, uh, and you know, let she, me say yeah. that Shannon Elizabeth scene, that's something that I don't think they would have done in a movie like Leprechaun. It just seems right. like a little too far for something like Leprechaun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it had this been a different movie, had this been a just marginally more sophisticated movie, they wouldn't have had that scene in the movie. That that was, um, you know, that that felt like that dated the movie to me. That that just made it feel like this is I know exactly what I'm watching. You know, I could I could truck with the maniacal uh, bad guy. I could truck with the you know the snowman that could move around by frosting and defrosting himself uh, at will. Um, <laughs> And, and then I realized, oh, okay, right. This is also kind of a, you know, when she dies in the bathtub, uh, kind of her bot- naked body sort of wrapped around the snowman in a just a weird, like, talk about non-titillating <laughs> way. Right. It's not even sexy, guys. It's just cold. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I think the, um, I, I think it's a really interesting um it's an interesting conceit. And yet again, we have more Jack Frost movies. Um, at least at least we have the one, Jack Frost 2, Revenge of the Mutant Killer Snowman, which I imagine is exactly what you get. <laughs> one thing that does connect Jack Frost and Leprechaun is it they come in with their first movies already like what Freddy Krueger became in episode in number three he comes in with one-liners like he's already welcome to prime time b-word like leprechaun and jack frost have all these legitimately horrible one-liners but maybe that's a part of its appeal 
Like you go in and you that kind of like you groan along with the comedy because yeah. they're not really well written. I think there's actually some legitimately funny parts of Jack Frost. None mm -hmm. of the things that Jack Frost says are funny, but it seems to have that kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger. We know what we're doing here at the very end. You know, the guy says we iced him like that's <laughs> bargain basement yeah. writing. But maybe they but that was so popular then. Yeah. Now we've really gotten away from that. Now our action stars, for instance, I said, you know, they barely talk. Like yeah, in the last yeah. John Wick, he said nothing. <laughs> he said three <laughs> words. Um, one thing that I really did like uh, about Jack Frost, my favorite part, is when the puddle starts coming in under the door and the FBI guy <laughs> pulls a gun and shoots at the puddle. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I thought that was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Classic FBI, classic bureau. But do we think that that's maybe I'm just grasping at straws, but that is something that the other movies don't have is this one liner kind of 80s sensibility. Could that be what? Well, brings people back like it's that kind of safe camp added with gore. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Tom, because I think camp is its own uh, market draw. Right. Like yeah. mm -hmm. when we already know the movies coming in with a wink and a nod, which softens the horror, maybe right. in a way that Saint and Rare Exports do not. Right. The, yeah. These first two, they're also decidedly American movies. Right. These two, the Leprechaun and Jack Frost feel right. Deeply American and Saint and Rare Exports is like, oh, we're going to do something really goofy. But just wait, because we're probably going to be more thoughtful about it. Yeah. And Rare Exports actually gets into like colonial colonialism yeah. with yeah. like America capitalism coming in and messing everything up by blowing sure. things by blowing up burial bonds. But we'll get there. Yeah. yeah. So that was uh, th that was Jack Frost, um, which which I think I, I'm I think I'm on Team Tom, where it was marginally better than Leprechaun, but we're still on an upward uh, climb on these movies. Ray, it feels like you like Jack they Frost less than Leprechaun. I, I like Leprechaun a little bit more, just just because yeah. it just feel I don't know, just doesn't feel as dumb, which <laughs> sounds dumb of me to say. <laughs> yeah, because. <laughs> Okay. All right. Oh, there, there was one other thing that Jack Frost did that when the guy, they said, it proves the soul exists and that it's a chemical. That was something that, that was an interesting, when the guy was talking about how the acid, the genetic yeah. acid, and you need a uh, an acid that would bond a human chromosome to an inert material. At some point he says it proves the soul exists and that the soul is a chemical. I was like, oh, all right. Someone was excited for that part of the movie. <laughs> like the movie gets like does a big swing of smart and interesting in a movie where they're they're throwing away their guns and instead drawing hair dryers. Yeah, uh, it's just I like I like it when every once in a while a different version of a script like part of it peeks through and it's like oh yeah you were trying to say something we forgot and to then cut you have the, that bit of smarts. Right. And you left in the part where the kid makes oats with antifreeze. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, okay. So Jack Frost leads us to, you know, we jump a decade really to 2010's mm -hmm. uh, Saint. Now, Saint, uh, as, as we mentioned, now we're moving, it is a Dutch film. And uh, it's a, it is a different take. The whole idea of Saint is that, um, we're, we're talking about December 5th, and apparently on December 5th, 1492, 
Y'all remember 1492 from something else, right, Wink? Mm -hmm. Members of a gang led by uh, former Bishop Nicholas are killed by villagers who refuse to put up with the gang's looting and killing any longer. Uh, in years in which the gang's death date coincides with a full moon, the gang returns, the demonic undead gang returns as murderous ghosts. This movie also has blackface, which I thought was another interesting choice, and they apologize for it at the beginning. Uh, right. This film includes language and or stereotypes that are inconsistent with today's standards of inclusion and may offend some viewers. I was like, what is what? this? <laughs> oh, right. Black Pete. And I only knew about Black Pete because of the last season of Atlanta. Uh, Donald Glover's oh, sort of yeah. sitcom. They did an entire episode where they're, they are in Amsterdam and dealing with the idea of people coming to the concerts as Black Pete. So I didn't know anything about this. What? Okay, so, uh, do, yeah. T do you have any? Do you have any more? Are you? Have you become an expert on Black Pete or on Black Pete? Well, just yeah. that, like, Saint Santa didn't have elves. Santa sort of had slaves. Yeah, and the slaves were Black Pete, and that was it. And that's all very not great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is the uh, so Black Pete. He's the companion of Saint Nicholas in the folklore of the Low Countries. Traditionally, Zwarte Piet distributes candy to well-behaved children and punishes the others. The punishment part fell out of use in the 60s, 1960s. So from 1492 to the 1960s, the Black Peets came around and both punished and uh, celebrated the children. This movie right. leans in on the punishment part. Uh, they go to town on an orphanage, they uh, a children's hospital. They, I, I mean, there's just a lot of damage that St. Nick and the Black Peets do. They also take December 5th and they turn it into an outright, like uh, a day to fear. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Ray, how this one hit you? I liked it. Uh, generally, I really liked the religious angle on this movie. Uh, the fact that in the beginning, you know, you see this bishop, this church man. And he, he's got the tall hat. He's got the staff. <laughs> you know, church man. That's church right man. Term. Church man. <laughs> That's actually the sequel. Saint two. Church man. <laughs> <laughs> and you see this guy, and he's doing these terrible things, and they kill him for it. And then I think there's even a line later in the movie, whenever you know the ghost of Saint Nicholas is coming back and killing all these people, and someone says, "Well, do you really think the church wants everyone to know about this, or something like right. that?" And that titillated me because I am not a fan of organized religion. And I thought it was uh, any, a good choice for the filmmakers to kind of tackle it from that angle. And we get the crazy, yeah, the crazy police inspector the who's like over the top made me feel like I was watching Wolfen again. Um, yeah. <laughs> when he bit. walks in and shoots the present on yeah, his desk. Right, exactly. That's the version of shooting the puddle. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a way of just making making the person insane and the movie insane yeah. and then says strap in. And this movie does that even in the cold open. Kids are not safe. I mean, right. two of the kids of the family get sucked up the the um, chimney right away. This movie's right like, we're not leprechaun. Yeah. But we are kind of leprechaun. It's weird. Yeah. It's a very interesting. This one nailed the tone for the most part for me. Of it's heightened, it's weird. I loved the rooftop chase. I hated it at first when the horse was going on the rooftop, and then yeah. I real I was like, wait a minute, this is actually pretty well shot. Yeah. It, the music 
it's every once in a while it's like slowing down and the music sort of does like a matrixy look at what we're doing right now as it jumps from building to building. I was like, oh, this movie is actually kind of badass. Yeah. And I really loved the idea of the whole thing is a cover up that the government knows this is happening. Yeah. And the whole thing is a cover up and they take the one person that knows what's going on and has been desperately trying to make it stop and blame everything on him. Yeah. Calling him a serial killer. That is so cynical. Uh And I mean, yeah, paying off our, the young hero to like go along with it. And then just showing, yeah, like you said, the, the uh, orphanage, all of the horrible things that have happened. It's almost like a Reichstag fire. It's really cynical and really weird and interesting. I I think the thing that the, that, the movie suffers from budget because that rooftop yep. chase is fantastic and CG. And at, at times they're doing some things that are really objectively cool that don't look as cool as they could. And I think we've come right. to expect them to look really good and they're immediately dated. And right. Um, There's and, some and basic I, green screen stuff, yeah. which is like, try yeah. a different green. Yeah. Yeah. Your slip is showing kind of stuff. Like it's just not, right. it's not great. Uh, but, but that's unfortunate because you can tell like the intention and the structure is really good. I, I, it is, mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. It's bonkers. And when we start getting, you know, the things that St. Nick can do with his staff in terms of just straight up beheadings and things like right. that it was just, it, it was uh, really exciting and threatening. And I love the idea, the whole concept that the city comes alive in this way that is so threatening like it becomes its own uh undoing and uh i just i thought it was great i also i love that it's kind of a pirate ship story too like at the end they just, yeah the whole objective is we gotta blow up a pirate ship that seems like okay throw something else in there guys it's just great <laughs> like we need another yeah. thing uh yeah so I, I had a really good time with that the the movie was written and uh directed by uh, dick moss it is apparently quite a controversial film the the tone suddenly makes sense when you look at other stuff Dick Moss has done. And and of course, it's, uh, um, you know, he's done some other Dutch films, De Lift, Amsterdam, and Flodder, which I also have not seen. But one episode of Young Indiana Jones. Oh, that's not oh, the, wow. that's not the thing that describes how bonkers he is. Also oh. did a whole bunch uh, or at least, uh, I don't know, four music videos for the band Golden Earring. Uh, really? You, grew up in my town then you grew up Radar singing love. twilight zone oh, and never heard of such year, a thing. night moonlight when the lady smiles and turn the world around also uh, uh billy falcon uh, mai tai marco borsato um it, it was a, a music video director and that suddenly explains more of the tone of this movie like just it. it's a kitchen sink sim- symbol movie well, you know, mm. after I watched this, I was suggested another Dick Moss movie, which is Rumpelstiltskin, which... Oh, he did that? Sounds a lot like this. Yeah. I saw that a zillion years ago. Huh. Made me want to see it. Bringing up the idea of the cover-up, bringing up the idea of what happened with the renegade, what they called a renegade, uh, murderous renegade bishop, um, yeah. that it's also very Wes Craveny. Everyone in this town is paying the price for what their elders did. It's the children uh, paying right. for the adults because everyone burned Freddy Krueger up and then that let him come back and start messing with uh, all the descendants. So that's yeah. that's always fun. And that's also a big symbol of paying, you know, what happened back in history never really goes away. Yeah. And we're condemned to repeat it. 
Um, I also did enjoy at times how unapologetically foreign it was just in the phrase. And I rewound the scene. I was like, wait, is there more to this? No, here's a quote. <laughs> he sails an old schooner. That's why we put our shoes out. What? <laughs> like that is the most foreign two phrases put together. I don't I don't know what any of that means. And I rewound it to see like, wait, is there more to that? Or No, he sails an old scooter. That's why we put our shoes out. And I was like, yeah, there was in the beginning of the movie. They were putting like a carrot in a clip-clop shoe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just like how they so didn't funny. see it. Yeah. Clip yeah. <laughs> they, we never they intended didn't... anyone outside of this city to see it. No, and that's another <laughs> I thing. just love that. Right. Yeah. This is not a spiritual horror that is that befalls the planet, right? This is no, a thing. Yeah. This evil bishop and the Black Peets are out specifically against Amsterdam. Like this right, th yeah. this town is is the town. thing that is suffering as a result of of what they did in 1492. And I think that's actually really, really fun to gate it, to put such guardrails yep. around the story. This is why no one else would ever have heard of it, and why apparently they didn't expect anyone outside of Amsterdam to see it. Right. Um that leads us to rare exports. You guys. Mm. Oh my God, with this movie. I am <laughs> I was so surprised at this movie. Right? So, so surprised. Had, had you neither of you had seen it. No. Never heard of it. And that's why I'm so thankful to skip to the end of this podcast. Never would have heard of it. Yeah. And if I would have heard of it, would never have watched it. What? <laughs> Lapland? Reindeer? Like, just, yeah. If you were to describe it to me, I'd be like, nope. Yeah. And I'm so glad that I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. But before we talk about, like, what is happening in the movie, I just have to say, the movie made me think so much of uh, Sorry to Bother You. Um, mm. Oh, interesting. Because I this, love that movie. this movie has a twist that made me feel the same way the twist in Sorry to Bother You made me feel. Like, when they cut to the horse guy, I was on the floor. Like, I thought that was a, that was a, amazing. This movie, I did not even, I could not have, I, a million <laughs> monkeys, a million typewriters could not have written the, 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 the climax of this movie in, for me in my head. I never, I could not of, predict what they were trying to do. Of where mall Santas come from. Bonkers for eighty-five right. grand. That's all they need. Eighty-five yeah. grand. So the story is: is we have these uh, reindeer uh, hunters, small village, and they subsist on reindeer. Uh, when the reindeer come, they hunt the reindeer. They live off the reindeer, and they leave the reindeer for, uh, or they sell the reindeer, and that's what gets them through the year. And some of the horror is just in life in this village, right? When the boy goes to the, he goes to his dad's workshop and dad says, close your eyes, I'm working. It's because he's going at a carcass with an ax. And that's right. just life. That's not even a horror story. Of, of a reindeer. Of a of reindeer. like an animal. Yeah, yeah. right. And, uh, and that's just his job is to do this thing to another once was living creature. And that is in itself to a lot of people terrifying. And so right. that, like, I think sets the table for what this movie is. It's like super grounded. The, it is a super grounded and very dry experience. Um, well, we we find out that uh, that it, it, it turns out they've found uh, <laughs> they found a, a Santa Claus who had been frozen and buried in a burial mound that has now become a mountain and and. This organization has uncovered it and blown up the the mountain to retrieve this evil Santa Claus, and uh, and the, they these guys catch it 
in in a wolf trap and that is another side of this movie that they they <laughs> they build the fear around the wolves which we never mm-hmm. see there are right, no right. wolves in this movie but man they make you think they're right around the corner it turns out right. all it was was the evil santa claus and the santa claus what they've been doing is they've been kidnapping spoiler alert you guys just really t- go watch this movie the point is they they're taking the children just like the lore said and they're trying to rejuvenate this giant massive origin the horned original santa claus and um and and they this is the story of the undoing of that plan along the way it turns out and check me on this because i'm not sure that i i have it it turns out that the helpers of the santa claus are other santa clauses and they roam the woods naked in support of their efforts to redeem this santa claus they're like feral these are feral naked santa clauses so i believe they're called elves they call them elves okay they all so they're all they look like because when the the, uh, american guy that's paying for everything goes up to the one that they've caught yeah he says this is not a santa claus you've caught an elf everyone smile everyone put yeah so those are elves and elves in this movie is just old man (laughs) penis <laughs> yeah. it's just they're extremely old naked men and it's yeah a with, weirdly... with the white beards like they look like yes. santa claus like yeah. they are the Correct. trappings of santa claus and that's the conceit and and that's why i i think i'm i think we're using the words interchangeably i because at least i am because they support this big santa claus that does not look like a santa claus he has the horns right. um and he's frozen in ice and he's really big like multiple stories tall right like a giant. He's a titan. Santa titan. Yeah. He belongs in Godzilla. And so this is uh, this at the end of the movie because they have these key skills. These skills, they, they herd up all of the naked old men Santas. And, they, and this is where the, the twist comes. I thought they were going to farm them for meat. I thought they were going to eat Santa's <laughs> or sell the Santas because they lost their right. reindeer. But it turns out they go into the, they start training the Santas to become their ambassadors of holiday cheer for money. And so it is, <laughs> it is the ultimate expression of commercialization uh, in, in the holidays. And I was, uh, I had a great, great time with this movie. So I, I, I probably oversold what the movie was about, but, and, and but I, I want to hear what you guys thought. What was your experience watching this? This was my favorite one of all of these movies. Like you said, like just completely surprised me. And, but two things stood out to me that I just couldn't shake. One was at the beginning of the movie, these two kids somehow scaled an entire damn mountain without being yeah. missed. <laughs> no, right. Like, <laughs> That's the thing we're com- concerned about in this movie. Yes. Giant Santa, Ray. Giant I Santa. <laughs> and then I thought the, the other thing was concerning the giant Santa you know, they're trying to hurry up and destroy this giant Santa uh, before he wakes up. But I like how they take the time to cut his horns off. <laughs> Trophy. I loved it. I loved that. That was really <laughs> no, great. No, but seriously, uh, I, I, I did really enjoy this movie. It, it was so unique and so fun. At least as fun as 
you, it can be watching a child being chased by 198 naked men. <laughs> real fun, it turns out. Yeah, real fun. Well, also because the, this is also a child's hero story, right? As weird yeah. as it is, we get this kid who comes up with the answer. He's what, 11 years old, 10, 11, 12 years old, something like that. And and he's the kid who, who says, hey, community, we have skills to actually solve this 189, 198 roaming herd of santa clauses or elves in the woods uh we can treat them like reindeer and use the mm -hmm. helicopter and the bait to actually catch them and i thought that was really that was really kind of stupidly heartwarming um, it's also a redemption this. story like he yeah. gets his dad to be proud of him it's yeah. a debt it's a it is Father a daddy story. issues story with to go with what you were saying of how grim life is he's just walking around with a shotgun the yeah. whole time he has to go to the bathroom in his tidy whities because that's what life is. Yeah. And he rides on a helicopter uh, parachute kind of a thing. Like he is in peril yeah. all the time, but it's just expected. Like it's almost like that we just breed them differently up there. Yeah. Um, I liked in the beginning that instead of over the opening credits, instead of the book of the vampire, we have the book of the Santa, which is fun showing all of the horrible things that Santa does. For sure. Um, and then, uh, the style of the uh, advent calendar and then showing the big barn that where cool. uh thing was, there was some really neat style to it. I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And this there was is, some real deadpan comedy played extremely straight. And the way that they do it is no one ever says, what are you talking about? It's Santa. They say, we've got to use him as a hostage and get money. We're going to sell Santa. Straight face. <laughs> Straight yeah. face, and that really works. It puts you into this craziness. Yeah, I, I feel like there is a lot going on in this movie, and it, it is it's punching above its class for sure. I thought it was mm -hmm. it was super super fun. This is uh, from uh, Jalmari Helander, uh, who um, this the movie was based on two shorts, Rare Exports Inc which is apparently out there on YouTube, and I only discovered that right before we started uh, as I was, oh. so I haven't watched it yet. Uh, and the second one's Rare Ex is uh, Rare Exports, the official safety instructions from 2005. Uh, and this huh. is, again, Helander's uh, work as writer-director. And so, um, you know, this is the taking the idea of this feature-length film that, that shunts those two things together. Um, you know, it, all, it practically had a cult reputation before the movie actually was made. And so it was, huh. it was kind of, you know, guaranteed to be of interest to, to folks. So uh, the U.S. Uh, title was Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. I like it just as Rare Exports. I think it hides, mm -hmm. it, it hides just the right amount. I think it's really great. They made some great choices. So that's Rare Export. Now, I just, I think Ray and I should talk just briefly about The Mean One. Okay. Uh, because Tom, you didn't have an opportunity to watch this one. No, I'm sorry, Ray. What do you think? I yeah. rewatched Leprechaun. <laughs> this, <laughs> this movie was bonkers. Yeah, uh, just uh, I thought it was pretty much what you would expect from a movie like this. You know, trying to use the Grinch IP is legal without using the Grinch IP, right? Yeah, um, yeah. 
What about it's you? very what much a, a Winnie the Pooh kind of blood and honey thing, which is like, let's take this thing that we know so well and let's, again, subvert it and see what kind of fun we can have with it. This one, weirdly, though, makes so much more sense than blood and honey because Winnie the Pooh, they were always lovable characters and just imagining them going feral right. is is a challenge. And this movie, imagining the Grinch, who is already portrayed as evil, just staying evil and cementing himself as more so over the intervening years makes complete sense to me right like mm -hmm. it, this the movie's concept makes a ton of sense and the portrayal of the grinch as this character that that is pulling performative aspects from the ron howard version of it like he's walking on his little right. tiptoes and he's sneaking around uh, like a pizza joint and then completely butchering crowds of, <laughs> of fans like it, it's just uh it, it ends up being a, a a fun, weirdly gruesome exploration of this thing that is so familiar. Mm -hmm. um, and the having this, the girl, the, the girl who originally, Cindy, who originally saw the Grinch stealing her Christmas and gave him a kiss and his heart grew three sizes too big. That saved the Grinch in How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Here, Cindy's mom comes in and sees that Cindy is talking to this monster, and mom goes bonkers and attacks the Grinch. So the Grinch just thinks everybody's scared of him, and in the in the the melee, uh, you know, mom is killed. That creates this. That just makes the monster more monstrous and creates the, this Christmas killings thing. Tom, to your point earlier, like talking about the the mystery of the the legend of the Christmas killer, the whole town seems to be, or at least the the leaders of the town, the mayor and the chief of police, they all know that this thing is out there, and they conspire to hide it, and they do that. This is one of the most uh, diabolical plans to actually keep the monster at bay because they know the monster will come for Christmas. Like if it sees, if it hears any Christmas song, it's there and ready to eat you. Uh, they create a website that lures hikers to their mountain because uh, uh, around Christmas, the hikers will come and hike the mountain to intentionally feed the monster. Right? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, yeah. I will say the, the mayor, you know, winds up being behind that. And there's this part where, you know, she gets her just desserts. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie. I was kind of hoping that she was going to turn out to be the Grinch killing people. <laughs> hmm. Almost but that like, would have just been a dude in a suit, right? And that would have been off the, that's off the true. grid. And it wouldn't have been on this episode. But yep. I would have liked, personally, I would have liked the idea of like, here's this new in newville who yeah. just got so sick of christmas that he's like i'm just gonna start killing people until they get rid of christmas yeah yeah well and that's that's really the upshot is that this is a this is a town that is you know for 25 years has abolished christmas there are no lights mm. there's no nothing you can't find christmas in this town because everybody knows that when Christmas comes to town, people start to die. The, the high point of the movie, I mean, there are, it's a movie that has moments. I liked it better than Leprechaun. I liked it even better than uh, Jack Frost. Uh, but that's pretty much where it stops climbing. The very <laughs> end, we do get to find out what happens when someone's heart grows three sizes too big. And then the movie oh, ends. Funny. And it's, it, you don't want that to happen. I think any cardiologist agrees. You don't <laughs> want that to happen to you because it's gruesome. So uh, th this was a really fun bonus, right? 
Yeah, I, I just want to say that one joke from this movie that I can't get out of my head is whenever uh, the deputy is trying to lure the Grinch with a Christmas song, but he's Jewish, so he doesn't know the words. <laughs> and so he's like trying to sing Jingle Bells, but yes. he's tripping over the words. And finally boop, he just boop, gives boop, up boop, boop. and he's like, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. <laughs> Which doesn't work. <laughs> Oh, so good. Yeah, I I think that's the uh I think I think that's the it was really funny. And I think there are little it has moments. It has some some moments. Um I don't know that there ever needs to be a sequel. Uh there there's also I mean there are some really obvious plays on the language like at one point they're in the restaurant and and she's talking to the old wise guy who knows the truth and he says he's the mean one. You know, we all know him as the gur right as the the server comes up and says Finch Finch, uh, David Finch, order meal Finch. ready. So order for Finch. Like they That's play those funny. kinds of games all the time to get around the the IP. So uh, it it's a it's a fun nod to something that I grew up with, and it's pretty brutal. I mean, there's some there, the 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 mean one does some does some good stuff to people if you're into that. So that's the the bonus pick. Uh, Tom, you don't need to watch it. Don't worry about it. Okay, you, you don't have to retroactively do your homework. Uh, I thought this was really fun. Did you guys yeah. get anything out of this thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Especially as to repeat myself, I wouldn't have seen these movies. Yeah. And I'm gl- really glad I saw two of them. <laughs> yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, right. And that's a good, that's a good ratio. That's fine. Yeah. I'm grateful for to you for two reasons. One, I saw rare exports and that was phenomenal. And, the second reason I'm grateful is because I had been wanting to watch Leprechaun, the, the series, and now that I've seen it, I don't know that I want to finish it. So I thank Hooray! you. Absolve You're free you from the game. curse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that leads us to the great reveal. What are we going to do next month? I believe the bottle has spun to you, Ray. Oh, yes. Raymond. Well, uh, I want to go ahead and take a look at two remakes uh underrated remakes of vincent price classics uh they are the 1999 remake of house on haunted hill and the <gasps> 2005 remake of house of wax which i think are Fun. both movies in their own right but so different from the originals that they're really their own movies outstanding Outstanding. That sounds what a great. great. I, I haven't love seen... house on haunted hill for the most part for the most part there's a part of it that you really regret watching the second half <laughs> the um, isn't there, isn't there someone like an influencer or someone like stunt casting in House of Wax? I don't think I ever saw it. Group of teens, House of Wax, just build as Paris Hilton. Come see Paris Hilton get killed. You know. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh, you guys! You know who else is in this movie? Alicia Cuthbert. Yeah, <gasps> my girlfriend. I love her. We love her. How did we know? And Chad Michael Murray, this is a who's who of almost influencer stars. <laughs> cool. This is a great idea, Ray. I love it. Oh, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm looking yeah, I'm going to have to watch these with you guys. immediately. Outstanding. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us this fine holiday season. Uh, may your holidays be better than everyone's holidays in all of the movies that we talked about uh, this month. Super fun, not role model. Uh, on behalf of uh, the good and kindly Ray Delancey and Tommy Metz III, I'm Pete Wright. We will see you back here next month in the new year. Happy, horrific new year, sitting in the dark.
I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Get started today.